What are your thoughts on him? I'm eating a mint. I thought you would talk longer. I'm sorry. Give me a minute. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> a minted? A mint. It's like yeah, a, but I'm giving you a minted. Oh, I'm, I'm stupid. Stupid. Yeah, it was stupid, and now I'm not even going to be able to cut it out. Hold on. <laughs> that was terrible. I need to learn how to stall better. <laughs> Intro. I'm just going to like wave my hands like, stop, stop. <laughs> hey there, I'm Jordan. And I'm Nick. We're just two regular guys who love talking about film. And now we'd like to talk to you. We decided to break down our discussions into three parts. Because everyone loves a gimmick. We discuss our expectations for a film before we watch it. That's take one. We give our immediate thoughts following the film. That's take two. And finally, we research the film at length to prepare for an informed and in-depth discussion. And that's take three. So if you love film even half as much as we do, join in on the conversation. This is take three. A movie podcast. Take one. It starts recording, or else it gets the hose again. <laughs> you have to do it in the voice. What voice? Like the Buffalo Bill voice. You do the Buffalo Bill voice. I can't do it. You do much better. I've seen this movie once. I don't know... We're doing Silence of the Lambs. All right, we're going to go watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I remember really, really loving this movie. Yeah, I, I'm a huge fan as well. I've seen it more than once, definitely. Um, actually, I think what has made me want to do this for the podcast is that I recently watched it with, and this is probably weird, but like a 10 and a 13-year-old, my cousins. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there are some maybe more mature parts, but they were really into it. They were like really into it. And I just think it's really cool that like a movie that is a classic can appeal to young kids who would rather be playing Fortnite and shit too. You know what I mean? I mean, think it's, think of the kids who are playing Fortnite and killing things. And yeah, it's just more, it feels more to me like a slow burn drama of a movie. Yeah, true. true. I mean, sure. There are some really thrilling parts, but a lot of it's conversational. And they were locked on it. And they thought it was awesome. So I'm really excited to to watch it again, knowing that like this is something I think that will continue to appeal to people for a very long time. Yeah. I know that this is the first in a franchise of movies. Yeah, I'm not really clear. I know you've explained it to me like a million times how like what how the they movies are. Yeah, and like I know they were they were released like out of order. So, okay, so um, Thomas Harris, oh my God, if that's wrong, that's going to be embarrassing, but I think it's Thomas Harris released books, Mm -hmm. and the first book was called Manhunter, the second book was called Silence of the Lambs. Third one's Red Dragon, right? No, third one was called Hannibal. They made a movie called Manhunter, and it did not have Anthony Hopkins in it, it did not have Jodie Foster in it, and... It came out, I don't even really know too much about how successful or anything. Clearly, it's not nearly as successful as this movie. Then they made Silence of the Lambs. Now, even though Silence of the Lambs is the second in the series, it was the next movie to go that hadn't been adapted yet. I guess you wouldn't technically call it a sequel, but, you know, I don't don't know. It's the waters are sort of muddy. Then they made Hannibal, which has Julianne Moore stepping in for Jodie Foster in the Clarice role. Mm -hmm. Are these all different directors? Yes. So Jonathan Demme directed the first one. Uh, The second one, Hannibal, is directed by Ridley Scott. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, So, okay. So then they come back and do the first one as like a prequel, which is Red Dragon. With Julianne Moore? No. Uh, This is before Red Dragon doesn't even really have have, have Clarice in it. Yeah. Edward Norton plays a character called Will Graham. And that... Edward Norton does? Yeah. Okay. and, And that's in Red Dragon. But this movie is technically after that storyline, before Hannibal, but it really is the first of the Anthony Hopkins gotcha. Hannibal movies, and clearly the best, the most celebrated. But we're also not talking about the TV show, which I know is a very big success. Yes. It got canceled, but I remember it being well Well, liked. it was, yeah, I think it was like a cult hit for yeah. sure. This movie is like one of... A very, I think we've actually brought this up on one of the games we've played, but this movie is one of the only movies in history to have won the Big Five 
when it comes to Oscars. Mm-hmm. It won Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Actress, Best Director, and Best Screenplay the wow. year it came out. Yeah. And so that that's like a huge feat. So this movie is firing on all cylinders. Great performances, great, great directing, mm-hmm. you know, great writing. Just overall a fantastic movie. Oh, and as far as like the – I think I talked about in Jurassic Park about just giving some background on a movie before – like in take one before mm. we talk about it. So this movie was directed by Jonathan Demme. Uh, it came out in 1991 and obviously stars Anthony Hopkins and Jodie Foster. As Hannibal and Clarice. Yes. Respectively, yeah. Yep. And launched a very divisive franchise. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, this is clearly the best one and I'm super, super ready to talk about it. Same. Take two. I had half a mind to go up and get a jar of peanut butter so I could perfect my Buffalo Bill impression. <laughs> it does sound like he has like a dollop of peanut butter down his throat. Yeah, that voice has become so iconic. Like For sure. I forgot how much I love that movie. That was a ride. That was so clever. And I think there were just things that I missed when I saw it in high school. Genius piece of artwork, in my opinion. It comes across like it's going to be at the beginning like a cop drama yeah. Or something, but like so deeper than that. Yeah, so much deeper. I mean, like knowing where it goes and knowing the trajectory of this series, it's really impressive. And it also, like, I guess you would qualify this as like a like a mystery or a thriller or mm-hmm. something like that. But for something like this to have received so much acclaim, it's still a pretty big deal Mm -hmm. i mean some people could even consider this like horror movie there are definitely horror aspects of it the fact that it is so well praised and respected in the filmmaking community is really cool i'd be very curious to see what else this director has done and i also think i surprised myself with this i think we we had a plan to do another movie before this but it kind of got scrapped uh just didn't work out and this was sort of a backup i'm very very glad that it happened though but i surprised myself because like normally i'm a book before the movie person and i went up to my bookshelf um maybe like halfway through the movie just to see just to kind of get some clarification on the series and realize that i have the first two books i didn't realize i had both of them oh and and we have some clarification that reminds me okay yeah so the first book is not called manhunter the first movie is called manhunter but it's red dragon is the title of the actual book i don't know why i thought that red dragon was only the title of the movie but red dragon is both the first book in this series and the third movie in this Anthony Hopkins series. <laughs> Manhunter was just a name they used for another movie that was based on Red Dragon. I gotcha. In this Anthony Hopkins series, all of the movies are named specifically after the books. Okay. I feel like I was due for a mistake, you know. <laughs> Jeez. But yeah, whenever I think about this movie, the one scene that always comes to mind is that end scene with... Uh, Jodie Foster trying to navigate her way through a dark room while we watch her from yeah. night vision. I would love um, to see how they did that. Because, like, I mean, I know that there are cameras that have the ability to shoot, you know, in really low lighting. Mm-hmm. So it, I wonder if she was really stammering around in the dark or if that was just her acting. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because, yeah. like, either way, that's pretty her. cool. Yeah, that yeah, is, yeah. That is pretty awesome. Yeah. I, love, I love Clarice Starling as a character because I feel like – in a lot of movies, the the tempting thing is to put a woman in a group of men and have her be the one that is being like, "Oh, I'm I'm gonna stand out. I'm gonna I'm gonna be the troublemaker and all that stuff." And I feel like that's such a weird way that like a woman should be able to just be in a group of men and it not necessarily be the hugest of deals. And and that's that happens in some movies that I really appreciate. However, in this movie, I feel like. She's constantly not only like slept on, but like she's always being like sized up for the fact that she's yeah. a woman, mm-hmm. you know, like she uses it to her advantage. She uses her charm to her advantage. It's not like this is a genderless role, right? This is a this is a woman who does not expect any sort of special treatment because she is a woman but does not get treated exactly like everyone else right. does. She's still being driven through a very male-dominated yeah. world and, and profession, really. it's Oh, definitely, definitely. She's a really strong character, mm-hmm. but then also has like such a softness to her. And I think what is so compelling, especially in this one, is her ability 
to bring out that charm and that softness during her conversations with Lecter. Mm-hmm. Because again, you don't want to be perceived as weak, but it, there's there was a softness that allowed Lecter to open up and like like her. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Connect, yep. Yeah, so it's like, and, and Jack Crawford even says, like, if I sent you in there with an agenda, with, like, what you were trying to do. He'd pick up would, on it. Exactly. Yeah. And you wouldn't you wouldn't have gotten anywhere. But, like, she seems almost sort of unassuming. Like, you know that she's not and you know that she's in a very, very, very smart agent. Mm-hmm. But in the beginning, it just sort of. She's like, oh, I'm I'm a student and I'm new and I want. She goes in and says things like, I want you to judge if I'm worthy to learn from you. Like mm-hmm. she's giving him power. She's stroking his ego. <laughs> she's so smart. Like she yeah. is. She is one of the great characters in horror, thriller, or any cinema. Yeah, of, absolutely. Yeah, of all time. Yeah, I would completely agree with that. And I think this movie does a good job of like uh, of making those kinds of things subtle but still important like it's not it's not something that's so i hate using this phrase but so in your face about it but it still gets its point across so beautifully Mm -hmm. um and it also i think we we spoke about um when they were speaking about uh, buffalo bill and his motivations for doing what he did um clary's even brought up a point like this is not you said this was an anomaly. I forget yeah. what her exact words were. We're talking about uh, her speaking about Buffalo Bill's basically cross-dressing or dressing in women's clothing. Mm-hmm. And he, she says that there's no literature that ties transsexualism with violence. Which, yes. It seemed like they were making attempts to come off as like, hey, we're not saying that all trans people are like right, this. Right, right. What we're saying That's, is that, that this was a product of trauma right. and now this guy – Feels like he is a transsexual person and, you know, he's being driven to kill. However, that's not... It's not a product yeah, of him being yeah. transgendered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was my point. It was sort of like uh, they're, it's, they're kind of subtly throwing in these things that are like, you know, we we understand their intention. Yeah. And um, I think it's just great. I think it's it's so clever and beautiful and um, important, I mean, really, honestly. Yeah. I, uh, I would be lying if I said I wasn't entertaining the idea of trying to devour both of these books before we record take three <laughs> oh i don't think it's possible but like it ran the idea ran through my head like oh what if i just spent all day monday just like just sitting down and reading yeah. these books a little behind the scenes though for what he is talking about doing the way that we have to record this we're gonna have to record take three in the next day or two <laughs> and he's talking about reading like two what like three or four hundred page books yeah but they're small days. like they're the mass market paperback so they're like they're much smaller and i don't know if that makes a difference or not I'm i mean not if you can read them sure it'd be great but would, if not you're gonna look bad in front of everyone uh, well okay thanks <laughs> Jeez, everyone's gonna laugh at you <laughs> We can talk about the ending of this movie where he winds up. I feel like I don't know why I think it's someplace tropical. I don't know if it's like the Dominican Republic or some sort. It's, you know, where he, he walks away and he says, I'm having a friend for dinner. So clever. Yeah. Oh, my God. I love <laughs> it's it. It's really cool. <laughs> and um, it was funny because I opened the book and as we were just watching it, I opened the book to like the last couple of pages in the dialogue that he says where he's like, you know, if the land stops screaming yet, I don't plan on calling you. I feel like the world is more interesting with you in it. Please take mm-hmm. that same consideration for me. That's all like literally word for word. Yeah, yeah. word for word from the book. It's pretty cool. I I think it made, they made it seem like I was really only reading that last page, but it made it seem like maybe he was writing her a letter versus – Calling her, or I, I could be wrong, but um, well, I'll let you know in a day or two. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, we read those books. Um, and I know we just put out an episode explaining how we are miles and miles and miles away from each other. Yeah, he is here for the weekend, so we're recording in my basement again. So that's that's why he he has the books. We had the books right next to us. It's on Netflix too. So if you have it, that is Netflix. Good, you should watch it. Yeah, that's a good point. We I, I we never we never pick movies based off like their ease to watch right we're not very strategic in that way like no. if you know if I'd we were smart maybe, we'd be like hey let's let's look on netflix or right something. right but we get lucky sometimes i'd say maybe twice of all the episodes that we've done the movie's been on netflix yeah. or hulu or something well avengers was on netflix right right yeah. so yeah these two but yeah. any if anything else we ran off of like youtube i think i think that the best way to select movies because it, it, if you, I don't know if it was this take or last take when you had said that 
this is this was not our first pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the best way to select movies is movies that we would enjoy talking about, and like we don't necessarily have to like them, but that would like spark decent Good conversation, yeah, right? Because yeah. you guys don't want to hear like, oh, this was boring. We hate this movie. I don't even want to tell them what this movie is because, <laughs> but yeah, we it might polarize some people. Yeah, we weren't thrilled about this uh i think we probably got like two-thirds of the way through it and i paused it. i was like i don't like i like this is <laughs> this is i i can't i cannot get into this and it's but. just it, you know so like a movie like this where we can geek out and mm-hmm. do a bunch of research that you know to think the questions we genuinely have that we care about and talk about a movie that you know we both are super into but, like, I don't want you guys to ever think that it's like, oh, we we have to love the movie. I mean, clearly, I, one of the memories that is seared in my brain from this podcast will always be the Shining discussion <laughs> where I thought you were just going to love the Shining and Did you hated really it. Think? Yeah, because, like, everyone loves the Shining. Yeah, everyone loves the Shining. God. It's just, I mean, it's a slow burn. I thought, you know, we've watched movies that I think are worse that you've liked. So, uh, <laughs> like what? I'm curious. Oh, my gosh. Well, he has a tendency to be like, oh, I watched this movie when I was a kid. Let me show it to you. Nostalgia is a huge factor in whether or not I love a movie. Because <laughs> I was like, seriously. And, and I can, I can, there are some movies where I'll look back at them again, like today. And I'll be like, okay, this isn't really the best movie. But I enjoy it. It's still entertaining to me because it, it's, yeah. you know, it's memorable to me in a very special way. But particularly there are some maybe more family movies that you've shown me that you were like oh i love this oh this isn't that good i'm sorry (laughs) i feel like yeah i feel like we'll get like maybe like 20 minutes into a movie and i'll be like if you want to change this you can i (laughs) i kind of underestimated how good this (laughs) might have been so (laughs) yeah i love anthony hopkins portrayal of hannibal lecter like He's so he like he jokes on her shoes and he's like, I love the suit. Dude. <laughs> he's a diva. Yeah, he is like he's very flamboyant. Like mm-hmm. there's a he's got this air and this flamboyancy yeah. to him that is very very enjoyable to watch. It's, it's very fun. It's I hate to say this about a serial killer, but it's damn charming. Yeah, is what it is. Exactly, and and that's the thing. Like during these conversations, I'm I'm always just like. I'm always like, oh, I would love to talk to him. Like, it just, <laughs> I would be like, what do you think, Hannibal? Like, but he's, no, you know, that would, he'd, he'd break me down to my lowest point and make me swallow my tongue. Like, I don't, I wouldn't want to face him at all. I just want to watch him talk to other people from afar. I'm, I'm at peace <laughs> with that. I'm okay with that. I do appreciate the relationship that they have. And I don't think it would be nearly as strong as if he wasn't so aggressive and she wasn't so, like, she has such a quiet poise to her. But also like passionate, like the, clearly this is she's oh, something yeah. she loves to do. Yeah. Obviously, this is her, you know, this is her passion, and she does it well. And some people I think might come at this from an angle where they're looking at how this all comes to be for her. How how Clary Starling just gets into this, where it's just like, oh, uh, go talk to the serial killer student. But like, if you really think about it, you understand. You know, Jack Crawford's intent was that she she showed promise. Yeah. But she's also a pretty girl that he might <laughs> enjoy being around. And that there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, you know? Yeah. There's there's nothing demeaning about a I genuinely believe there's nothing demeaning about a woman playing to one of her strengths. Mm-hmm. You know, like certainly I say one of her strengths. She solves the damn crime and she's she's the savior of the movie you know she's the hero but the way she's able to get into those situations the way that door gets open jack might think that you know she stands a chance to maybe be someone that hannibal wants to be around Mm -hmm. and that's awesome i love it that they didn't shy away from that yeah we've done one other best picture winner our first movie yeah um the shape of shape of water yep yeah and (laughs) <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty, I think even still, that's a pretty divisive movie, even though it's it's spectacular. I don't know. I can't imagine many people being like, oh, I don't like this. This is so fucking cool. If you didn't like this movie, I'd love to know why. I would really love to hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, it, was this so underwhelming? It, hey, is there a better entry even in this franchise that you like better? Because I know people that really love Hannibal and Red Dragon. And I like aspects of both of them, but I don't think either of them come close. I know there is a fourth one, but I'm not even counting that. Are there, aren't there there only three books, though? So there's a book 
God, don't ask me about the fucking books. I don't know. <laughs> um, there's a movie called Hannibal Rising, and I do believe it's based on a book. I don't okay. even know if it's Thomas Harris, but like, there is a book called Hannibal Rising, I and gotcha. it's this movie it's makes me want to watch the show also. Oh yeah. I, I know my parents watched it for a while. They loved it. They were super, super upset when it got canceled as I think a lot of people were. I remember watching like one or two episodes and thinking, Oh wow, this is actually pretty, pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why I stopped, but yeah, uh, this whole universe, like all of the stories that involve Hannibal, none of them are like terrible. They're all pretty fascinating. I would, say anybody that you know wants to talk to us about any of these movies please do yeah yeah reach out yeah i'm ready to research <laughs> I, I have reading. a book i have a book to read so yeah. you probably stop this. that's fine I several books to read take three okay i did not read the books what wait to <laughs> let down our entire audience i'm sorry i got busy and plus we rec- we had to i had two days to do it on top of researching, so yeah, it just we, didn't we happen. Recorded this on Sunday. I'm not surprised. Not that like you aren't dedicated or anything, but that I feel like that would be a pretty tall order, like a, a pretty unreasonable request for anyone to expect you to do that in two days. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish. I wish I could read that fast, but um, but I did research. I have things to say. Oh, well, good. Um, I kind of was thinking I could get something out of the way really quick. Do it. Uh, it's something that I didn't necessarily want to make a giant topic, but I feel like I probably should. Um, just, I'm always afraid that with like hot button topics that I'm going to say the wrong thing. You know what I mean? I'm going to wind up being like offending someone or something, but like let's let's see how it goes i'm hoping that this doesn't i don't mean any offense by it i promise i'm very sympathetic to this group i'm about to talk about's plight so i was shocked to see just how many articles and comments i found about how this film in fact is transphobic and i'm thinking like oh shit do we need to cut that part out of the episode because we had just talked about how we thought it was important that they had the characters address the topic and state the lack of a correlation between transsexualism and violence. You're saying that that scene was bad? No, I, I'm just basically saying that, like, I feel like we just brought this up, like how it was really good that they, you know, included this stuff, making it not transphobic. And then all these people are like, oh, this is this movie is such a, an example of transphobia. And I'm like, oh, shit. OK, so I was like, I went looking for articles and posts and videos specifically created by trans people to maybe get like a more informed take on it. Mm -hmm. And I came across a video that I'll link in the description of this episode uh, by a trans YouTuber named Ty Turner. And he addressed the topic and brought up things that I honestly hadn't even thought of. Like he argues that Buffalo Bill isn't a trans woman, but instead a cisgendered man's ignorant idea of what a trans woman is. That's fair. Yeah. So it's not the filmmakers or writers trying to portray a trans woman and failing miserably. They are portraying a very disturbed individual turning to violence to facilitate his desire to be as different from himself as possible. Does that make any sense? That, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So any sort of uh, negative repercussions, anything that looks bad that that Bill is doing was purposeful because this is – the intent was to create a character whose view of trans people was flawed. And because he was psychologically disturbed, was going about it in that way. So it made me feel a little bit better. I was like, okay. So – and I, I read a couple more and – it's like people there were there are people out there that do not believe that this is necessarily that that's not that that this movie is not just an overwhelming like smack in the face to trans people, which is good because that made me feel better because I'm like, you know, anytime there's like a controversial subject in one of these movies, it makes me I, I want to address it because it's not, you know, I mean, we are dissecting these movies and talking about them and discussing them and that is an aspect of this film, transsexualism in film. Thank you for looking that up. That's no that's problem. Good. I think let's just we can just put it out there that we are just two cisgendered white guys 
that just want to be as sympathetic and as empathetic and as respectful to everybody going through whatever their journey is. <laughs> you know, I just want to be respectful. And that's why I felt like I needed to bring this up as soon as I possibly could, because again, I do not want to make anybody think that I support transphobia. Um, no, of course, of course. And I think like if anyone has any kind of input, feel free to email us. Yeah. Take three AMP at gmail.com. That's the number three. Um, and yeah, we're like, we're always open to learning more. If we ever say something, please call us out. Like, let us know. Um, we definitely want to stay, um, respectful, Woke. of course. So yeah, yes. I mean, sure. <laughs> do you know what AFI stands for? I do not. Uh, so it stands for the American Film Institute. Mm-hmm. And, um, obviously they're a school, but they also put out like lists of, they like rate movies and stuff like that. I, I, I can assure you that you've probably come across uh, one of their lists, you know, in one way or another. It uh, sounds familiar. Definitely. Yeah. They, they consider themselves um, experts. I don't necessarily agree with a lot of their lists, but what I'm about to tell you, I totally agree with. So they made a list called AFI's 100 years, 100 heroes and villains. And it's basically an all time, top 50 hero list and a top 50 villain list. Okay. So Clarice Starling is number six on the list of heroes. Uh Uh-huh. Is Lecter on the other list? Lecter is number one on the other list. Yeah. Wow. Really, really brilliantly fleshed out characters. And I, I don't see a problem there at all. Like I really, I can't think of anybody more, you know, good at being a villain, to be honest with you. No, they're both great characters portrayed by incredible actors and actresses. Um, I, you need to send me that link so I can put it in the, the notes. Cause I'm very curious to know like the other, was it oh, top yeah. 100 of both? So it's the top 50 of both. So it's, it's a okay. hundred years, hundred heroes and villains, basically like 50 heroes, 50 villains. Right. Right. Um, I'd love to see who's on that list. Yeah. Cool. We'll definitely put it in the description for everybody to check out and I will definitely send it to you as well. And that's so weird for you to say that he's number one, because one of the, uh, one of my points actually was that any kind of backstory, um, he's really just kind of like a tangential story that gets exposition and like character development through these unrelated investigations. Yeah. I mean, he's not the main antagonist. No, he's he's not the protagonist. He's really like a plot device. Is that accurate to say? Like he's not, Uh, well, I don't know. A lot of times people use that as a, um, with a negative connotation. But like without the connotation, would you agree that that he's really just sort of. He is there to help her. He is her. Right. Guidance. Uh, Which is fascinating. Like from a story. Yeah. From a story standpoint, that's, that's so clever. That's so incredible. Yeah. And so he's only in the movie for 24 minutes and like 50 something seconds. Right. So. Hannibal. Yes. Okay. Uh, well, Anthony Hopkins. And so that is the second shortest role to ever win the best actor Oscar. The shortest is David Niven in a movie called Separate Tables. Never fucking heard of that movie. <laughs> what year was that? <laughs> uh, like 1958. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, um, I mean, that's, that's, that's good for him. Back to your point. He's not in a ton of it. He's not the protagonist. He's not the antagonist. He's just there to help. And I think that's what I like about, I like that about Red Dragon as well, that like, he's not the main bad guy. I mean, I guess you wouldn't even really consider it Hannibal. He's not, I would say Mason Verger is really the, I don't know who that is. Oh, okay. So have you not seen Hannibal? The movie. Yeah. Correct. The only Hannibal movie I've seen was this one. Okay. Now it's too late now, but we should, we should watch them together. It's too <laughs> late for this podcast. Tell you what, give me a few weeks to finish the books and I will be more than happy to watch all three of these movies and the TV show. <laughs> cool. So we're not going to follow up and we're just going to move on from this. It does not matter. <laughs> so more often than not, women are especially in horror made into objects of desire I have a video that I watched that sort of outlines all of it that I'll, I'll also put in the notes. 
but I think the industry in general is very male driven, but horror specifically. And in, in this instance is very much directed toward the male demographic. Uh, the, the demographic of horror is generally, it leans more towards male. Um, and quick question before I go into this, are there any like female horror serial killers or villains that you can think of? Um, no, I'm like, I'm trying to think, I, uh, not any major ones, not that I can think of. So in the grand scheme of things, it's difficult to think of a woman horror villain. And I think that in itself is very telling. Um, yeah. So here's, we have this movie that's suddenly, uh, someone compared it to an adult fairy tale. Like this is little red riding hood. It's this tale of a girl fighting and defeating like the beast. Uh, and there is an essay written by a film critic named uh, Laura Mulvey, and she talks about uh, what she calls the male gaze, which I think is a pretty common. Yeah, uh, you've yeah you've heard of that. Uh, how audience tend to relish the position in which they're put, where they have sort of power over the female characters in the movie they're watching. So this movie kind of breaks the mold and shows us. I think both subtly and kind of like right in our face, like in plain sight, why that kind of point of view is toxic and maybe why feminine charm and perspective is not only beneficial, but necessary. Uh, I think in this movie, during the movie, we talked a lot about camera angles uh, and how everything is sort of shot center frame, which is rare, but I think it's always intentional. And I know we always talk about um, when someone is center frame and maybe we'll go into a quick take with this sort of to uh, explain what you've explained to me in the past about when someone's in the center frame. Uh, it, typically that means that they're vulnerable. Yeah. That's one, that's one of the things it can definitely mean. I mean, again, it's, it's hard to lay out like hard and fast rules for this shit. Cause it is an art. Uh, right. Right. But yeah, a lot of times, a lot of movies that I've seen when you put, you know, aside from like Wes Anderson movies, uh, when you put a character in the center of the frame, a lot of times it is to like weaken or at least show that they are weaker or vulner- more vulnerable. Yeah. Right. It's just something to maybe think about the next time you go and watch a movie and that happens. Um, and I'm sure we can do a quick take about framing or something. But um, that would be fun. In in this movie specifically, when we're face to face with Starling or another male character, the male is shot looking directly into the camera. And then when it cuts to Clarice, she's always looking slightly past the camera. And I think this is to sort of give us the same kind of uneasy feeling that she has. And it puts us in Clarice's point of view because it, it is really kind of unsettling when, yeah. the, when the characters are looking directly into the camera and yeah. their center frame. And sometimes their whole face is even like, it's so close that their face doesn't even fit into the frame so it is very it's it's unnerving a bit i know we had talked about uh during the film because it wasn't didn't necessarily feel like they were trying to make certain characters vulnerable but a lot of times people put uh, like to put you the audience like in the middle of a conversation to make us feel like uh we're relating to one character or another and i uh, looked that up and Jonathan Demme, who's the director, uh, explained that it was done so that the audience would directly experience Clarice's point of view, yeah, but yeah. not these other people's that she's talking about, which is it basically encourages us to more readily identify with her. To sympathize with her, right? Or empathize, I guess yeah. would be the right word, which is beautiful. It's genius. I love it. Um and there are also plenty of shots in this movie where Clarice is surrounded by men in uniform. And it's not until she orders everyone out of the autopsy room, like all those police officers, where she faces this and confronts that problem. It reminds me of one of the quotes from the movie. Uh, someone says, if he sees her as a person and not just an object, it's harder to tear her up. I believe that was Clarice, actually, when they were watching the the news coverage of yeah for was it um, Catherine the yeah the girl. Ruth or her mom Ruth was kept using her name. Right. I remember. I think I think it was like Criminal Minds or something like that. When I uh, like remember like hearing them say that. Uh, which Criminal Minds is like a television show about basically these type of people, which were behavior analysis people for the FBI. And uh, 
I think I, I must have seen that before I saw this movie and was like, oh, wait, I know that. That's really cool. Like, <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently it's used to make people maybe feel like they're more human and not like an object of their obsession. And that completely, that makes total sense. I think that's fascinating. Um, not abduction. That's not fascinating, but you know what I mean? And just to kind of wrap this one point up, there was an unrelated discussion in another article that I found that sort of supports this even more. Apparently the script had Ted Levine, uh, who plays Bill. Uh, the, the script originally was written where he's asking Catherine to get in the truck, but Ted insisted that he just say, get in the truck instead of asking. And, and I, that, like, clearly I think that's, that's really cool. That, that is really awesome. So, and then there's the abundantly obvious fact that he calls her it the whole time. Like it's not. Yeah. Yeah. So he's very much trying to disassociate. Wow. You just really kind of brought up two points that I want to talk about. Um, oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. You brought up two points. Like you, you, you set up. Oh, I segued. Yeah. I set you up a segue. Oh, fair. Yeah, I'll take it. I'm not even sure which one to do. Uh, well, okay. We'll do this one first. Okay. As far as Ted Levine actually, you know, in, enhancing the film and, and adding things, um, apparently Buffalo Bill's dance was not in the original screenplay. His dance. Oh, when he opens up his robe and. <sighs> I'd fuck me. Would you fuck me? I, yeah, I'd fuck oh, me so wow. hard. That shit. Uh, that is not in the screenplay, but it's in the novel. And he wow. insisted that it be there because he was like, this is the essential moment. And so they put it in after he was like, it's got to be there. Oh, my God. I, I love this man. Pretty cool. Yeah. I don't know who he is, but I love him. So I remember like years later seeing the remake of The Hills Have Eyes, which is really good. And he plays this like he's the the dad figure and he plays this like big, big dude. And it's just I'm like, oh, my God, that's Buffalo Bill. Like, <laughs> that's really the only things that I've ever seen him in, though. But I, I, I he's really brilliant. Like, he's a really God. great actor. Yeah. Talk about pulling together the best crew members for this movie. They really yeah. lucked out. It's funny. Actually, one of the later um, points I have is that a lot of these people were like not even the first, second, third options like these were not the first choices for these characters really yeah but um okay let me go we're talking about buffalo bill um and he's basically an amalgamation of three real life murderers right uh so ed gein who was more known for grave robbing than murdering honestly but uh, he made furniture and even at one point tried to make himself a woman suit. Oh my God. So that's where that aspect comes from. And what made me – your your point made me think of this, which uh, the second one is Ted Bundy who solicited help from a woman to lure her into a car before attacking her basically under the guise of having an injury and wearing a cast. Wow. So that's that's some real shit that Ted Bundy did. And then there's a guy named Gary Heidnick, and that was the one that I actually hadn't heard of. But apparently he had a pit in his basement that he kept women in. Oh, my God. It is like – Wow. Unbelievable, the, 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 the shit. They didn't really have to stretch but so far to create this person. No, that's wild. Uh, it's it's uh, terrifying that that those people existed, you know? Yeah. That reminds me, I don't know if you want to put this in or not, but that reminds me of, um, I was watching, I guess it was, I was with you. We were watching, uh, I guess an interview with Margaret Atwood, who's the author of Handmaid's Tale. And she said that nothing in this book is false. Like she pulled yeah. from real, real things. And she didn't want people to think that she's this monster that just created this universe. Like this is all, this is a reflection of humanity. And that's, that's both fascinating and terrifying all at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. It's um, when people say like based on a true story, you have to take that with a grain of salt sometimes, you know, mm -hmm. but uh, anytime that someone pulls real life inspiration from really anything that, you know, is presented on film, that's horrific. There's, there's definitely an added layer of like terror, you know, it's, uh, yeah. it's, it's never comforting to think about like the fact that, these movies that are about humans that are just screwed up, you know, mm -hmm. it's not that far off. Like it's, it's really, it's not that unlikely. Like people are really screwed up sometimes. And a lot of times it doesn't take very much for them to go off the deep end. 
Right. And this movie is chock full of people that have, you know. <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. As far as like people not necessarily being the first choices and things, I'll, I'll tell you a story. Jodie Foster had actually read the book and she liked it so much that she tried to buy the rights to make it into a movie. She tried to option it. But an actor named Gene Hackman, and if you don't know exactly who that is, I'm sure that you would recognize him if you looked him up. Uh, he had already done this. Uh, his goal was to play Lecter and to direct the movie. Uh, but when she found this out, she just threw her hat in the ring and said, hey, you know, I want to play Clarice, you know, if that's available. Um, and the development process, you know, went on a bit longer, went on, went on. Uh, and um, one of Gene Hackman's daughters convinced him that the story was too violent and he left the project. Huh. Right. So Jonathan Demme was brought on to direct Jonathan Demme's directing credits. I know we had talked about like wanting to look, look into other movies he had done. Uh, he, this is a guy who had done like up until this point had done a bunch of like low rent B movies for Roger Corman and comedies like dark comedies. Like this is, this was definitely not something that you expected to be in his wheelhouse, but he did it masterfully. But regardless, he was brought on, and he wanted Michelle Pfeiffer, who he had previously worked with, to play Clarice. Oh, wow. It was only after that she turned him down, <laughs> because she too thought it was too horrific. And then he went and saw a casting call, which apparently amassed over 300 other actresses. Did he end up going with Jodie Foster? Wow. So, like, he really did not see... Jodie Foster as this character. I mean, there's no arguing. She already had an Oscar at that point. Like, there's no arguing that Jodie Foster was a very talented actress. She still is. It's just like he didn't see her in that role. And obviously, it worked out for her. Yeah. Same thing with, um, they went from reaching out to Jack Nicholson, Robert De Niro, like all the big name actors to play Hannibal. And, All the good psychos, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, too busy, couldn't get back uh, quick enough. Um, uh, Jeremy Irons had just played another evil character in a, in a movie, so he didn't want to do it, you know, back to back. He didn't want to uh, get typecast. Anthony Hopkins, his career had, like, stalled in his opinion. He had gone to London to be in plays. <laughs> and he came back, you know. What a great comedy of errors that like made this work out and i'm so glad it did because it just seems like the perfect formula exactly oh and uh one last thing i know we talked about the unlikely director actor and actress but the writer ted talley never written a produced screenplay like he had never this was his first movie yeah wow yeah so he had never gotten anything produced into like a feature film so this must have put a lot of people in the or either on the map or back on the map then like yeah yeah wow i think the one that probably had the best career going for her at that point was jodie foster and she stood to really help the movie but it was like the movie didn't want her you know it was like (laughs) she's like love me you know but uh uh one of my other points uh i had i found an article that was sort of like things to think about with Silence of the Lambs. And I have all, I'll reference this in the, in the notes as well. It was written by a film critic named Roger Ebert. Uh, he. <laughs> you act like you've never heard of him before. I haven't heard of him. That's Ebert and Roper. Like the two thumbs up guys. No idea who that is. Am I going to sound like an idiot if we put that Yes, really yes. That. You just say, Roger, just say it again and just say, don't say a film critic name. I felt weird saying an actor named Gene Hackman, but uh, say Roger Ebert. He's a, Everybody knows he's a film critic. You never heard of Siskel and Ebert and then Ebert and Roper? Chronically uncultured. Ebert and Roper at the movies? No idea. They're just film critics. They're like the film critics. They, they would write for the um, Chicago Sun or something like that. Like they were big they are the film critics i am okay if you keep all of this in i'm okay with being that guy that doesn't know who roger ebert is okay or do so you want to just say roger ebert i mean like I, it doesn't matter I, I can if you want to but i feel like i laughed at you and i feel bad now i just couldn't believe that you were like um someone named roger ebert <laughs> i okay so like, like I, no, no no i feel bad <laughs> 
No, you should feel bad. bad. That's fine. Just I feel be bad. Next time. I know. I it's feel okay. bad. But like, <laughs> oh my god. I, well, okay, then maybe for the people out there who are like me and don't know Roger Ebert, now you're about to. He's a film critic who does everything he just listed. <laughs> um, but he did this. I guess it was like a class or something where he had a bunch of people sit and watch this movie. And they would call out when to pause certain scenes uh, to take notes or maybe to discuss certain points. Uh, and there are there were 22 points in this article, but I wanted to go over the ones that I thought were more interesting. A lot of them were a stretch. They were kind of assigning meanings to anything and everything. But there were some that were really that stuck out to me. The first being there was a very large red, white and blue motif, as well as patriotism. There was a lot of uh, like military references at the very end. There is there's a ton of flags in this movie. There was an army helmet at one point, um, and in the storage unit there was a taxidermied eagle with its wings spread, much like the Hannibal victim in the cell that he was in. So that was repeated. Um, you know the, the guard. He, he yeah, killed the guard yeah. and, and hung him up like that with I think a flag behind him too. Um, during the discussion about Lecter's pulse not going above 85 after he says, even when he ate her tongue, there's a very, it's so, so faint and you have to, you have to watch it a few times to hear it, but you hear a very faint monitor beep and it's around 10 minutes. in. if you want to go check it out, if I think it's like 10 Oh four or something and you can start there and listen to it uh, on Netflix, it's, it's so, so quiet, but it's there. And I, I don't know if it was intentional. I don't know if it was, just accidental but like it's it's there and it's kind of fun to hunt for it and look for it but it's it's there if you listen closely that's cool and also there's a connection made that Lecter was drawing the Belvedere and Buffalo Bill lives in Belvedere Ohio I don't know what that connection is but well okay so Hannibal knows who Buffalo Bill is they were he was his doctor at one point right yeah but he's just not telling anyone so that it's probably so, like a clue. Probably. And he kept saying things like it's right in front of your face. Like all you have to do is look. Yeah. Like every, the, all the answers are there. So that, I mean, that makes sense. That's, that's really cool. Uh, speaking of that, there was a fan theory that I wanted to talk about. This was probably my last point that Hannibal was responsible for turning Bill into a serial killer. Like maybe when they were having their sessions, Lecter maybe like subconsciously planted the seed to maybe establish some kind of insurance policy for himself. Like he, maybe he knew he would be useful later on. That's and a I mean, really, that's a really cool idea. It, I thought so. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess he could have left that aspect of it out. It's not like we ever witnessed a, you know, one of their meetings or anything like that. He could have very easily done that. That's a, that's a really cool theory. I like that. Did you have any last points? I just want to talk a little bit about the books versus the movies, because I thought this was interesting. I did not know this. And obviously people who were alive at these points in time do, but you you probably don't. So Silence of the Lambs is a huge success when it comes out, and it comes out in 1991. The book was released in 88, but the movie came out in 1991. Big, big success, right? But it isn't until eight years later in 1999 that Thomas Harris released the book Hannibal. It's not like there was like Hannibal ready to go there. You know what I mean? Like ready to go to capitalize on so there were only two books out at the time yeah wow yeah so hannibal came in 1999 the book yeah and then when they decided to make a movie about it jodie foster jonathan demi the director and ted talley the writer all declined to be a part of it right so they had to get all new people you know uh and obviously really scott was coming off of gladiator and he was like on top of the world so they got him and julian moore came in to be a 10 year older and i I can't believe i didn't realize it's like i it's been a while since i've seen the other ones but like that hannibal takes place 10 years later uh after silence of the lambs i don't know that i ever knew that like (laughs) uh you clearly don't because you've never seen it i'm really excited to watch these movies with you okay yeah so then Hannibal is super successful. It's not uh, like well received critically, really. I mean, I guess it's probably like mediocre, but it is it is very successful. It actually breaks records. Really? Yeah. So 
it prompts them to go back and actually remake Manhunter as Red Dragon. I mean, it's not necessarily a remake. They just adapt the book again uh, in 2002, right? And then four years later, Hannibal Rising, the book, which is a book. I know that I you were like, hey, is that a book? And I was like, I don't fucking know. <laughs> I, I thought I did, but I wasn't 100% sure. But yes, there is Hannibal Rising is a book. Like the f- it, a fourth book? Yes, and it is truly the only prequel book. Wow. It's just okay. because Red Dragon was released out of order. Gotcha. Um, or at least remade out of order. You know, uh, oh, let me tell you about Manhunter. Uh, I, I wrote this and then I found out about how bad Manhunter did. Uh, I think it cost like $15 million to make Manhunter, and it made back like nine and it did so poorly that the guy that owned the rights for that original movie to make a sequel was just like fuck it we're not doing it so that's when that's why how they were able to get the rights to like that's how gene hackman was able to get the rights to option sounds the lambs is because that original guy was like i'm not doing it i'm not you know because people just thought like it's the same freaking story like red dragon and i mean you know a a very a very not the exact same story but like a thin outline an agent contacts this particular serial killer to help them find another murder murder. yeah 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 yeah. Yeah. so they thought that it was gonna do poorly obviously it didn't so yeah okay we're going back to hannibal rising in 2006 um then in 2007, that movie got made, and it sucked. <laughs> the end. <laughs> well, not the end, because there was a TV show, right? Oh, yeah. I, I went to television. But this isn't a television podcast. No, no, no. So I'm you just, guys are just left in the dark. I, watching this movie and just talking about it has gotten me so excited about reading the books. That's probably going to be my next project, is reading those books and catching up on the movies. Even if they're bad, I'm just curious. I, I have to know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's it's probably good to read them because you you never know. I mean, there there could be remakes of them eventually. I mean, yeah, like sure, one of these movies is like gospel, and everybody's like, oh, don't touch it. But you know, there's a lot of other ones that are like, eh, whatever. <laughs> was that your was that your last kind of point? Um, yeah, I've gone so all over the place with my points this evening that I genuinely don't even know. Yeah, probably. Okay. Yeah. Well, speaking of remakes, I think that's a great segue into our next project. For consistency's sake, I have to place a beep here, so everybody get ready for the beep. Okay, welcome back. Oh, do you put a beep for... Yeah, it's like it separates the game and... Oh, I didn't know that. And if we're doing it all at the same time, I'm just not even going to split this audio file. I'm just going to put a beep there. I gotcha. Well, I I figured because I know you still have to research yours, so I was like, oh, you could just edit this together. But I didn't realize there was a beep. So. Ah, shit! I still have to do mine. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll put another beep. <laughs> Are you ready? Do you have yours? I, you know, like legitimately took just a few minutes because I forgot that we had discussed to do this, so uh, I was not ready. Uh, but it, I feel like mine are pretty decent. That's good. Uh, I, in typical Jordan fashion, did not. I have several picks because I can't commit to just one. I can't narrow down my list. But uh, it's not going to, it's only two characters. We're only doing Clarice and Lecter. I know that's not, I know we normally do like three or four or five characters, but uh, we figured this is a big assignment. Like these are some huge shoes to fill. So, yeah, it took me like six minutes, (laughs) y'all. I've been thinking about mine for a while, but then I just went through a list waiting for you and I found a lot more options that I want to discuss them. I want to know. Yeah, this why, is very if, much more about y'all's picks or I, okay, y'all is not a uh, a diverse term. You all's picks. I'm going to locate myself on the map. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, I yeah. So I have a few and I'd rather like discuss. Th- I'd rather discuss them. Okay. Yeah, I know. You're used to I literally have one for each of them. I just He was like I was struggling to find a lecture, so he's like, just let me give you one of mine. <laughs> like, <laughs> what if it sucks, Jordan? I have so many. They probably will, and that's why I want to discuss them. Okay. That's you why go I, first because I again have two. Do you want me to do 
Do you want to go back and forth? Or you want me to get all mine out of the way? It's not going to be a back and forth. It's going to be a Nick goes and then he's done. So you go first. All right, I'll go first. My, I feel like this is obvious because we're talking about Jodie Foster here. I feel like the next logical person to take on Clarice would be, don't hate me, Kristen Stewart. Oh my God. Could you, you see know, her as Clarice? Yes. And like people sleep on her ass. She's really good. Like She's really sure, good. Yeah. She was in... Uh, five movies that were like really poorly received and i mean sure sure they're still a phenomenon they still made a lot of money and they're still widely beloved by a lot of people but you know sure that may have damaged her reputation but she has the equivalent of french oscar she's a very talented actress like if you gave her a shot to do something like this she definitely has that like quiet poise i know it's right. your point you talk about her i'm sorry no, it's okay. <laughs> you got excited, which is which I is love completely. Her. It's completely valid for her. I think that she she can play vulnerable, but she can also play like badass and strong and yeah, um, and like committed. And I would not. I'd love to see her in this role. Yes, she gives me very, very, very Jodie Foster vibes. Why do I look? <laughs> I was like, why do I think of them in the same? Um, Panic Room. Because they were in a movie together, and that's one I've actually seen. I really enjoyed. That was a good movie. Yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. No, I love Panic Room. That's a great movie. Okay, uh, so (laughs) so here are my top five picks for (laughs) for Hannibal Lecter. Do you want to do my Clarice? Do you want? Sure. Yeah, I'm curious. Yeah, let's do your Clarice. Okay. Um, so she's young and but I really like her and I really think that she's got some acting chops and uh she's just a really enjoyable actress. I really like pretty much everything I've seen her in. Thaisa Farmiga. Okay, is this American horror story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you could uh American horror story. She's in like season one, season three, season I get her and her it's either her mom or her sister that it's plays. her older sister is Vera Farmiga. And Vera Farmiga, she's Warren, who Elizabeth the Warren. Conjuring movies. Yeah, 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 Conjuring, yeah. yeah. Vera Farmiga's in a million movies, but Thais Farmiga, yeah, she did definitely have she, she seems young, like she seems like she could still play a teenager, but she's twenty five. I would I, I really like her uh demeanor. She's got a smart mouth. Uh she's I'm petite. I'm on the she is. I, I'm on the fence about that only because I've not seen her in a movie yet. The only roles that I've seen her in have been American Horror Story, and she's kind of played like the same kind of character, I think. But I'm not against it. Like I'd love, I'd love to see her try something like this out. That would be really cool. I know she's been in stuff. You know, she. I know she was in that Nun movie, but I didn't see that. Um, oh, I didn't see that. I'm trying to think of something she's been in. Uh, I'm not really that important. It's not like I. St- uh, sunk a lot of time into coming up with her, but she, uh, <laughs> I, I, I think she'd be decent. Though, honestly, if they ever do this, that actress is probably not famous yet. You know what I mean? So true, true. On and honestly, I can't. If they ever do remake this movie, it will be very hard to beat. Like, I, oh, I, this is yeah. a movie that, like, oh yeah, I'd be afraid to remake because I just feel like it would dis- it would piss off a lot of people. So. The only person that I would, I think, trust right now to do it would be Jordan Peele. Oh, my God. But what like, a I feel, great and, idea. And, and I would want him to basically just uh, cast Lupita Nyong'o again. Like, just, <laughs> yes, yes. I just love her. I want her to just be in every <laughs> everything. Oh, we need to write him a letter. Oh, okay. So I had a thought. Um I think that you should give me your Hannibal because I feel like maybe mine is on it could yours could be on my list and I don't want to steal your thunder. Okay. Um I have to remember my Hannibal really quick cuz I <laughs> how the hell did I forget it that quick? Oh boy. Oh, there he is. Okay. <laughs> I wonder if you can guess mine though. I'm curious well, like I don't know. I know I have five options, so it could be one of these five or none of these five. Okay, so. never mind then. We'll just get. I'll, I'll just go first then. Okay. All yeah. Right. Do that. This actor is one of my favorite actors. Apparently, he's like in his sixties. Oh my god, he does not look like he is in his sixties. But I guess he could be made to look. You know, put him in a suit. He can do voices and shit. He's so good. Everybody loves him. He's respected. Michael Keaton. Yep, he's on my list. Is he? Oh, yes. I'm so glad. I'm what so a glad perfect choice. 
Yes. He's amazing. And like, he is amazing. And I he can do crazy looking, really well. He yeah. can do like, oh yes, perfect, perfect. Everything I have ever seen him do, I love him in. He's, he can do different voices. He has mm-hmm. a very menacing tone. Like even in like Spider-Man Homecoming, he's terrifying in that Yes. Movie. Oh my God. He yes. is scary. Like, I was yes. like, Spider-Man, he's going to shoot you in the face. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'm, that, that was good. Good awesome. job. Good well, job, Nick. Good job. Yeah. Yes. You deserve a good job. I now I only have four. So I've had, I've had this, I've had one of these people. I'll tell him, I'll say him last, um, on my mind since we brought up this game. Um, but I have a few others that I just want to discuss. My least favorite of these four is James Spader because I, I, I cannot stand his voice. I really don't like him. I'm sure he's a great person, but I feel like anything that I've seen him in, he's always had the same voice, the same tone, yeah, but, people just hire him to be James Spader now. Right. But I feel like James Spader, as a character, might do well in this role. I feel I, like he could do... I believe that. Like, I know... A decent I mean, job. I fell in love with James Spader on Boston Legal. He, that, that show is freaking perfect. And I know he that was he's on, on that Blacklist show. Yes. I was I was going to say, he's on a show that my parents watch that I catch every so often when they watch it, but, um, it, it's, it's, it's blacklist. And I just, Oh, I just can't stand the sound of his voice. I really, but maybe that's like a plus. Maybe that's sort of like makes me uncomfortable with him. I don't know. But, but that you, was, you love Avengers age of Ultron. Oh my God. You're right. He's Ultron. He is Ultron. Maybe it's cause I can't see his face. I don't know. Maybe I just hate his face. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, this was a, an interesting one. I feel like it'd be outside of his box, but Woody Harrelson, what are your thoughts on him? I'm eating a mint. I thought you would talk longer. I'm sorry. Give me a minute. It's okay. <laughs> a minted? A mint. It's like yeah, a, but I'm giving you a minted. Oh, That's I'm stupid. Stupid. Yeah, I was stupid, and now I'm not even going to be able to cut it out. Hold on. <laughs> that was terrible. I need to learn how to stall better. Intro. Material. I'm just going to like wave my hands like stall, stall. <laughs> um, it's a perfect intro material. Oh yeah, Woody Harrelson. Yeah, what are your thoughts? Freaking rad! I don't know. He didn't need to like ham it up. I, he's a very talented actor. He could do it, but like, all I can think about is that he plays a character. Um, in and it's a spoiler, but it's a spoiler for a terrible movie. Uh, in yeah, the spoiler end, in five, four, three, two, one. Yeah, for any movie, <laughs> like if you don't have any particular movie, spoil. Um, but in Venom, at the end of Venom. Uh, he plays the character who is going to be set up to to play a character named Carnage, and he's in the he's in the jail with these like bars, and he just looks stupid. And I was yeah. like, I don't know, like he would not have to like ham it up under under the direction of like a good director. Yes, right. I trust you. Right, I, trust I think you, yeah, it would need to be a, a director. Um, I mean, it would need to be yeah, with the right director. Yeah. Don't laugh at this one. I'm gonna. I laughed at. I laughed at first, but I was like, "Hold on, this might actually be kind of genius." Billy Bob Thornton. I could see that. Like in a weird way, I feel like he's unexpected enough to be convincing, and I feel like he could kind of play like a crazy person. He's very. He just. I think my only problem with him is that he's. He's definitely made a career about being like gruff, and. Hannibal Lecter just feels very like poised, gentleman like, and, and organized you know, and clean. Uh, okay, not that he doesn't let me, range, but it just. Then let me say this: He hasn't been in anything in a while that I've known. That I know I really, of. yeah, I'm, I'm, nothing big at least. Mm-hmm. So I feel like maybe if he were to come back for this role, he could kind of reinvent something. I feel like there's been enough distance between his last big movie that it could. Yeah, work. like I feel like my first exposure to him was like bad Santa or some shit when I was little. <laughs> I mean, like, I know he has range and I've seen his earlier movies, but like, mine no, was, I don't know what his, yeah, bad I think news I, bears. Yeah, that was, that's, yeah, that's one that I like. Yeah. It's, I, it's a bad movie, but it's, it's one that I enjoy. It's a guilty pleasure. All right. Here's my number one pick. I think this is my number one pick. If I were to get rid of all of them, but one, it would be like, I'd keep this one. Maybe this is too obvious, but Mark Hamill. Okay, so I love Mark Hamill. I think he's really, really great. Like, uh, it it maybe feels a little on the nose having him just have replaced Chucky. 
Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, he's replacing Chucky, but uh, I mean, it's, uh, I'm not sure that changes my mind though. No, I mean, like I, I still, he's brilliant. Yeah, and he's got. I don't know if you if I mean some of our listeners are nerds like us, uh, but <laughs> you probably haven't even heard this. He does voice. He voices the Joker in a lot of the yeah. Joker area, a lot of the Batman animated stuff. I think and, that's why he was in the back of my head because I did I did know that about Mark Hamill and if he he would play crazy well but I think he'd be able to play crazy seriously yeah because that's what Hannibal needs to be I think yeah. um, I just I mean who the fuck doesn't like Luke Skywalker I mean who doesn't yeah Mark Hamill in general he's just a great great presence I love just... Last Jedi God damn it <laughs> <laughs> fuck everyone who doesn't like Last Jedi <laughs> fuck you I enjoyed it as well yeah I don't know. I have have a podcast, goddammit. (laughs) I'm just going to delete your comment if you don't. Okay, I'm sorry. That's okay. People hate on him. Hate on that movie. Okay, continue. I apologize. No, that was was my last pick. That was it. Good. I'm glad we're ending on a strong note. (laughs) Hey, listeners. I'm currently tied to a chair and a hole in the ground, and I don't remember how I got here, but while I have your attention, if you like this episode, you should go to our website at www.take3amp.com, or visit us on all social media sites at Take3AMP, or email us at Take3AMP at gmail.com, all the number three, for any questions, comments, shoutouts, or concerns. You should also give us a rating and review on iTunes. You have no idea how much it helps us. We want to reach more listeners and movie lovers, and that's one of the best ways you can help. It's super easy, and best of all, it's free. This episode was produced in edited by Jordan Sato and Nicholas Crawford and now I think I hear someone coming I have to try and get out of these ropes, they're really tight I kind of like it